Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 572 of the Juice Box Podcast. Hey, guys, welcome back to another Diabetes Variables episode with me, I'm Scott, and Jenny Smith. Jenny, of course, works at Integrated Diabetes, and you can hire her if you'd like at IntegratedDiabetes.com. The Diabetes Variables series has been going over listener-submitted variables for type 1 diabetes. Today's topic is diabetes technology. Sometimes stuff doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work as you expect it to. Sometimes you don't know how to use it. And in a moment, Jenny and I are going to talk about all of that. But for now, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. My friend Jenny Smith has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. She holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. If that wasn't enough, she just told me she ran a marathon. I mean, who does that? Running on purpose. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by TrialNet. Are you wondering what TrialNet is? I will tell you. TrialNet is a risk screening for type 1 diabetes. It is available at no cost to the relatives of people who have type 1 diabetes. Here's who's eligible. Are you between the ages of 2 and a half and 45 and have a parent, brother, sister, or child with type 1? You are eligible. Are you between the ages of two and a half and 20 and have an aunt, uncle, cousin, grandfather, niece, nephew, half-brother, half-sister with type 1? Then you're eligible. Have you tested positive for autoantibodies outside of TrialNet? Well, then you're eligible. TrialNet.org forward slash juicebox. Now, once you get the, uh, you go to the website there, right? You do a little typing, you do everything. You have options about how to get screened. You can do an in-home test kit. This free kit provides everything you need to collect a finger stick blood sample from the safety of your home, and then you can just ship it back in a free FedEx envelope. Contactless pickup. Ooh. You can use contactless pickup with FedEx. Contactless. It means no talking to anybody. Okay, sorry. So in-home test kit. I've got I got a little away from myself. I was like, fancy, I could just leave it outside and they'll come get it. Uh in-home test kit. You could also use a lab test kit which would mean you would take the free screening kit that TrialNet sends you to a Quest Diagnostics or LabCorp lab, and they'll handle the blood draw and take care of everything. Or if there's a TrialNet location near you, you could just go there. And no matter which of those processes you choose, this is what happens next. You get your results. You will receive your screening results in four to six weeks. If your results show that you are in early stages of type 1 diabetes, TrialNet will schedule a follow-up visit to see if you're eligible for a prevention study. And remember what all this costs you. Nothing. It's free. It's really free. Swear to whatever you swear to. Put up your hand. Hold your hand on something else. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and the but truth. Tronet's free. Trialnet.org forward slash juice box. Here's the thing. If you want them to know that you came from me, there's a checkbox while you're going through the process. You have to tell them, I heard about this through the juice box podcast. It's, I think it's just a drop down box. You choose juice box podcast. Then you have to follow through and send in your test. 
So don't just get the kit from them and sit on it and think, oh, I helped the podcast. You, you didn't. They need to get your test back before I get credit for you as a participant. Trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. My family used Trialnet many years ago for my son, and we have always been grateful for the information that it sent back to us. If you're not sure if you want to do it or not, I understand, but I would check it out. Trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. All right, I appreciate you listening to all that. I'm really trying to help Trialnet get the word out about what they do, and of course that they're free. So um, I appreciate you listening. And now I'll get to the episode with Jenny and I. No ads, rest of the way. Do you think driving is a good variable? Or do you think that's just stress and anxiety? I really do. I mean, I mean, does that mean it's a variable? Sure. Yeah. I, you know, like driving to me is a hundred percent not a variable. Right. But to somebody who has anxiety around driving, anxiety via long distance travel, or you know, anything like that, could yeah. it? I mean, I is it a variable? Yes. But we in a short definition, it is. But it's not an episode. It's not like that's what I, I don't thought. Think so. I didn't think so either. I was just looking. So then I want to jump to um, bad equipment. So yeah, <laughs> what fun! We all have bad equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the way it was uh, presented to me by a listener was, um, I think unprimed pen needles, where you inject insulin or air, excuse me, instead of insulin. And just bad equipment in general is a variable for diabetes. And I have to tell you, inconsistencies in technology is definitely a variable. Oh, yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, And I think the other picture, too, is inconsistencies with technology because of initial training on said technology. Yeah. I really do think that's a piece in the mix because. From just a simple standpoint of many people who've come to work with me or our practice, the amount of information that is left out when somebody is new to a product or has transitioned from one product to another, and they didn't realize that this new product does this or doesn't do this the same way anymore. Um, I think that's another piece in the same bucket of variable. Yeah. So where I think of it, it jumps to my mind is when you start pumping after, after MDI and how frequently do you see somebody say, well, we started pumping on Wednesday and I've already gone through three infusion sets. I've changed them three times. This thing doesn't work. I don't. And that is so common that I think it should just be, it should be the first sentence of anybody's conversation when they say, so you're going to get a pump. Well, here's what's going to happen next. You're going to see things happen you don't understand. We're not going to have your settings right. You're immediately going to blame the pump. (laughs) That's probably not what's going on. That fear will snowball on you. And within a week, you're going to be yelling, I shouldn't have done this. This was a huge mistake. And you're going to panic yourself. It happens to people so much. And, And you're right. Is that bad equipment or is that a bad understanding of the equipment? And really, what's the difference? Right. right. I mean, it's not that it's not that technically bad equipment, you'd think failure of the equipment itself, right? right? Something is clearly wrong. It's got an error message. There's the tubing is bent or has a, something cracked or whatever. But quite honestly, in this circumstance, it's like it's 
it's bad information to the person who was going from one type of therapy to another. Yeah. It's they didn't get enough of the right information to tell them these are the pieces to look for once you're starting. Again, MDI example to going to pumping. The first couple of days to a week to a couple of weeks maybe is going to look odd. We're going to have to change things and check things and evaluate things because settings will need to shift. Yeah. So where do you yeah. think the panic comes from? Let's go down a little bit of a side street for a second. Is it the idea of like, I thought I had this figured out and now it's different and I don't want to go back to not understanding or do you know what I mean? Like, it's so interesting how quickly, I mean, what's the most common thing, right? You move to a pump, your, your educator plays the safe card and takes away some of your basal insulin, doesn't give you all the basal you've been having because they don't want you to have too much or whatever, which is a fairly common way for people to attack it. And then you see high blood sugars and somehow your brain just jumps to this pump doesn't work. It's it's that simple. It's not. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, they don't get, they, a lot of people don't get real thoughtful about it. Like, oh, I, I wonder how much insulin I was using before versus how much I'm using now. It's right to Correct. this thing you handed me is what I remember last and it's not working. And, and it's not working. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just got to be panicky, right? Well, and I think it is absolutely. And it it's um kind of, as you said, you go from one, quickly you crawl the ladder of all the problems that it could actually be to, it's just the product. The product is bad. Clearly I shouldn't have done this. And I'm going to just go back to injections or to my previous management, you know, plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that brings in too, you said something about um, when people are started on a pump, usually their insulin doses are kind of cut. And to a point they are, some of the reason for the cut is that infusion of one type of insulin now, instead of dosing with two types of insulin as an injection under the skin, the body does for most people, not everybody, but most people absorb from that one site better as a base basal. And so we usually, from a safety standpoint, you're right, we take the base dose down from what they were using as their basal injected to their pumped basal dose. We take it down by about 10% Mm -hmm. on average. Um, Some doctors are definitely more conservative. They take it down by like 20%, um, which most often is kind of too much of a cut. That's where it causes people's panic because they're like, well, Mm -hmm. this used to work. I also think too, um, specifically, and tell me if you've seen this too, Omnipod can sometimes use a little more insulin than injecting. Does that make sense to you? Or do you think that's just, do you think that's just not real? Do you think it's you know, people weren't using enough before and then they go to a pump and they think, oh, I'm using more now on a pump? It could be, especially if you consider, um, and it may not be specific to Omnipod. It might, you know, it. I, I think it definitely includes the other pumps on the market as well. Okay. But I also think if you consider the precision of an insulin pump, that the dose can be as small as 0.05 in bolus doses, right? So if that's the case, and you were previously under dosing via injection, because you couldn't get the micro dosing between unit to unit, then what you may be seeing are more lows or maybe more highs if, again, the doses were also adjusted to be more conservative to you. Um, So that could be some of what they're seeing 
Yeah, so it's, it's it's a lot. It's more ghosts, like diabetes ghosts. Like you think something's happening, but it's not. It has nothing to do with that, and your brain jumps to this thing. Now there are real bad equipment issues. You said yes. You, you can get a kinked cannula, air air in your tubing, right? If you don't yep. prime your tubing in certain pumps, um, this this example that the person used an unprimed pen needle. I guess in a yes. small in a small child could be a lot of insulin, right? It could be. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, that's the purpose for every time you put a new uh, pen needle on your insulin pen of whatever kind that you do that air shot, you know, a couple units that you dial up, you dose it into the air, and then you dial up your dose and inject. Right. Um, I mean, another common pen as an equipment kind of failure is that people are not waiting once they dose or completely inject the dose of insulin from a pen. You have to wait with that syringe under the skin Yeah. for a count of, I mean, I've heard anywhere between some people do five seconds, some people do whole 60 seconds. I mean, on average, I think it's recommended about 10 to 20 seconds. You count, leave that there so that all of the insulin actually gets under the skin and you don't have that leakage, leakage from the pen needle cap mm-hmm. when you pull it out. Again, there is a potential like error in the dose then that you're getting. If you're pushing it all in and pulling it right out and some leaks out and some is still dripping out of the needle cap and you're like, well, how much did I actually get? How much is here anymore? (laughs) How much is here? I would say too, in this episode, um, CGMs, I think we all recognize if we use a CGM that the first number of hours are not as spot on as they are, as they kind of settle in and they start working well. And I I think that's, that's, um, Libre and Dexcom. I would put them both in the same bucket. I would. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So there, I mean, you could call that, I don't know, it's not not bad equipment. It works the way they expect it to work. But if you are a person who puts on a CGM and for the first 12 hours get numbers that are higher than they really are or they bounce around. For Arden, when, when Arden's waiting for her Dexcom to settle in, it gets a little bouncy. Yes. Right? So it's the like, data doesn't look smooth. It yeah. looks jagged. Yeah. It's like she's 62. Oh, no, really? She's 120. And then I test yeah. and she's 130. And I'm like, okay. And then suddenly it's like she's 130. She's 62. And I'm like, wait. And then an hour or two later, it just doesn't happen anymore. And, right. and it's over. Right. Um, but the one time that I do see with CGM, and it doesn't happen frequently to us, but I've seen it a couple of times. Do you ever see it get stuck at a stability that doesn't exist? Like, you know, do you ever look back at 12 hours and go, there's no way that I was 92 for 12 hours? Yes. And and then, and I, I've learned to see that. I just laid on the couch and looked at the ceiling and I didn't move. <laughs> that can't possibly be what happened, right? And I, I have learned that when I see stability, like super stability over a long period of time, somebody just asked me the other day, like, when do you test still? That's one of the times. If I see something that's too good to be true, I check to make sure the CGMs tell me the right thing. Right. You know, that's just one of those spots. Well, and I think in terms of like this as a technology failure kind of piece, it's you bring in a good point in that really early time after a sensor is put on. If you're the if you are one who is not doing finger sticks in that time period and you are dosing whether injection or pump or algorithm driven pump off of what the CGM is telling you, there could be significant error 
in the dose that the pump or your, you know, injected math calculator, you know, app is giving you because you're using a number that's actually not accurate from a CGM that's not quite accurate yeah. yet. And now you're making and you're making insulin decisions off it and not right. paying attention to it because you have a ton of comfort around it at that point. Right. You're just like this will be fine. Um what well what else is bad equipment? Like you know I almost want to throw in here because I don't think it I don't think it's worth its own um episode, but people want it to be when insulin goes bad. Arden's had diabetes since she was two. She's 17. I've never seen her insulin go bad once. So like I and I'm I know it happens to people, but it doesn't it can't possibly happen with the frequency in which you see people online use it as a reason why something could have gone wrong. Do you know what I mean mm-hmm. by that? Like every time someone sees a high blood sugar, someone comes in and goes, Oh, your insulin might be bad. Like, I right. Don't, I don't know. And it is, I think it's a good it's it is a variable. It's one to definitely consider and in terms of like technology or device failure. Yes, I, I mean insulin is kind of a piece of technology. It's not like equipment, but it's part of what you put into your equipment. Right. Right. (laughs) So, um, but there are definite times that it could be what is the driving nature of the high blood sugar days where you have sat, you know, outside for hours on end in a hundred degree weather, super humid. Is your insulin in the vial going to be bad? Probably not unless you had it sitting out in the heat with you. Mm -hmm. Is the insulin in your pump or your pen going to be bad? That could possibly happen. I mean, insulin degrades pretty quickly in more extreme high temperatures comparative to almost from what a couple of studies have kind of shown not as much detriment to like cold or really cold temperatures. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, consider high blood sugars hours after you've been outside really hot, change the insulin in your pump and see if it takes care of the issue. Um, But unless it's really a vial or a pen that sat out for a long enough time in heat. It doesn't magically go bad. Right. 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 Okay. If we did a um, survey, would we find that people in Florida and Nevada have higher A1Cs? I, I, I don't know. How I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if if anything, I would think that maybe people in more consistently hot temperatures, maybe they are also those who change their sites more frequently yeah. or change their, you know what I mean, or change their reservoirs more frequently, especially depending on what type of job or outside time they spend. Right. I would probably say that um, more than maybe a difference in A1C. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I'll throw I'll throw this in for um, equipment failure. I guess I'm making quotes around that now. Um, there are some uh, test strips that once you touch it to blood, if it doesn't register and you go back and get more blood, it actually hurts the value of the of the test. Like there are some like like the Contour Next One has second chance test strips. They don't yes. all they don't all have they don't all chance. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there are times where you touch the blood to it, it doesn't work. You need to throw the strip away. And unless your unless your strips handle like second chance, correct? Um, I guess that's one place, right? That um, would be definitely a tech. I mean, again, it's not technology; it's more error. It's more user error of not knowing how their technology works. Almost all of this is really what that is. You know, I mean, how many times online are you like, "Oh, I see the problem here. You are the problem." Let me try to gently <laughs> explain to you what you've done wrong. So, because there's no way for you to know. You know what I mean? There's right. No reason to feel badly about it, but. 
Right. Um, I and would, had they known, they wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. you do figure it out. But I think that's the thing is you don't always figure it out. And sometimes it's just you think you get into that like mindset of like, well, I guess this is how this is. And then mm-hmm. you just suffer with it. I would say too, uh, to throw in here, not all the meters are created equally as far as accuracy goes. So no, do your they're not. I mean, the last time I actually, the last time we did a visual of all of the accuracy ratings within those little pamphlets that nobody reads inside of their <laughs> test strip right. container, right? Um, or their meter, you know, information. The contra next was top in terms of accuracy. Um, the other ones on the list are the AccuCheck Guide or the AccuCheck Guide Me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Freestyle Light was also within that context of, of accuracy. Um, so in terms of like top level monitors, those are ones that had really, really good accuracy. Yeah. Hey, I know you didn't say this for this reason, but let me just say here, contournext.com forward slash juice box. That's all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah, so. <laughs> I appreciate that. They're, well, they're a sponsor because of that, because of the, because it's the, I I got to the point where I felt like I kind of had my choice of advertisers mm-hmm. around a meter. And I was like, well, I'm going with the best one. Like, why yeah. would I, you know, why would I not do that? Yeah. So. And then as kind of a, you know, a second to it, I, I would love to be able to use the contour. I can't, my insurance does not prefer it, doesn't cover it at all. In Could fact, happen. even if I wanted to use it, yeah, yeah. Um, but they do, they do prefer the AccuCheck brand. Mm-hmm. So I use the guide me and it, I did have some test strips for my contour as a comparison when I first started using it. Right. And I can say that from, from how the tests looked taken from the same drop of blood, they were very comparable. Cool. So yeah. from a standpoint of accuracy, that's. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to get the contour next. I'm saying. There are but if you can, it's great. And if you want to support the show, you can, by the way, yes. Jenny, did you know that it's possible that your contour next one meter may cost less in cash than your other meters cost through your insurance. You should check out the link to find out more. <laughs> I didn't know that. Did you know? Thank that, you. Did you know that? I, I did can, not know that. Did I know, didn't. Did you know that I can slip, <laughs> slip into that sentence at any time if I need to? <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, I just said it a lot. That's all. Um, all right. I think this was great. Thank you very much. Cool. Cool. Yeah, you're welcome. First, let me thank Jenny for coming on the show yet again and being delightful. And don't forget, she works at IntegratedDiabetes.com if you'd like to hire her. I also want to thank TrialNet for their sponsorship of the Juicebox podcast and remind you that TrialNet offers free type 1 diabetes risk screening that you can do right from your home. TrialNet.org forward slash Juicebox. If you skip through the ad at the beginning... You should have done that. Go back. It explains TrialNet completely. Who's eligible, how to sign up, how to get screened, how to get your results, what happens next. Go back and listen if you didn't. But if you did listen, remember this. Information is power. couple things and I'll let you out of here. Don't forget, if you're looking for a community, try the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group with over 17,000 members. It is a private and supportive community that you should check out. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. I also want to remind you that the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes begin at episode 210. 
and are available at diabetesprotip.com and juiceboxpodcast.com. If you're a part of the Facebook group, I think there's actually Spotify playlists in the announcement section, but if you're not listening through Spotify, you can see an entire list that will help you understand the Pro Tip series at diabetesprotip.com. While you're there, you should check out the Defining Diabetes episodes as well. And if you're a U.S. resident, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox, fill out the brief survey that helps people living with type 1 diabetes. Super simple questions, completely HIPAA compliant, completely anonymous, takes you less than 10 minutes. You can do it right on your phone, right on your sofa. You're going to help people living with type 1. You're going to support the podcast. I'm trying to get to 2,000 completed surveys by the end of Diabetes Awareness Month. So one month from now, go, go, go. If you all stopped and did it right now, just based on how many people I know are listening to this episode, not only would there be way more than 2,000, but you might you might hear a pop, like an audible out in the world. That would be the minds of the people at the T1D Exchange just blowing. They'd just be like, oh, I can't believe that happened. That'd be it. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.